Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Evan. And welcome to Podstetrics. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Podstetrics. Welcome. Today we're going to be talking about breastfeeding, which I'm really excited about because I guess we've been speaking a lot about physiology of labor and birth. We haven't really started on the postnatal period yet, and this is our first kind of glimpse, I guess. Yeah, and I'm really excited as well because I got to learn a lot about breastfeeding by you know, researching this episode. It's obviously something that I can't do um, and something that I don't know much about, so I'm actually quite excited to cover it. But before we get started, just a quick medical disclaimer. So this podcast is not for medical advice. If you do have any queries or concerns, please see your healthcare provider. Yep. So with all of our content episodes, we usually start with a case. So we'll do that today. Yep. So Julia has just delivered a healthy baby girl and has since been discharged from the hospital. She has been feeling overwhelmed because of the little sleep she is getting and is stressed because she is struggling with breastfeeding. She feels inadequate because her family and friends have had no trouble and feels that this is something that a woman should just be able to do. So before we get started on our content, I just want to give a quick plug to the Australian Breastfeeding Association. So for any soon-to-be mums, mums uh, that are learning to breastfeed or starting off their breastfeeding experience or students that just want to learn about breastfeeding, uh, they have a 24-hour hotline that you can access for continual support. support. So the number is one 800 mum to mum or one 686 268 And if you visit their website, you can access their free information kit, Uh, They have a live chat function as well as their email. And they also do deliver free education classes for expectant parents. And they cover things like getting your baby positioned and attached for breastfeeding, uh, reading your baby's feeding, like feeding cues, uh, knowing how to tell if your baby's getting enough milk uh, and really accessing any support and resources to help you with your baby. Yeah, so they're a fantastic resource um, for anyone that needs them. Yeah, I know I use them a lot for um, revising and... Well, yeah. not while I was a midwife, while I was a student midwife. So yeah, yeah. So incredible. Let's get started with actual breastfeeding. So, what are the benefits of best breastfeeding? And I suppose breastfeeding is best feeding. Best feeding. feeding. <laughs> um, but one of the most important things is that it really is the best form of food for a baby. It's it's a hundred percent natural, I suppose, and it really builds baby's immunity. Um, another thing that it really provides against by building against the uh, building baby's immunity up is by preventing conditions like gastroenteritis um, and a very rare condition a condition called neck, um, which I can't remember the name for now. So I think it's necrotizing, necrotizing enterocolitis. enterocolitis. That's yeah. right. Um, and this is really associated with babies that don't breastfeed um, and also babies that are born premature. It also reduces al- um, allergies and other autoimmune conditions like diabetes mellulitis, um, but also prevents against infections like UTI. Um, it also really aids with attachment and bonding between mum and baby. And it's really time and cost effective because it can be done anywhere and, and it's free. If there's one thing I must say from the experience that I had in midwifery, so I, I got to do this thing called, um, I, forgot, I forgot what the program is called actually, but it would be basically sending midwives out to people's homes. And I would um, see women that were formula feeding their babies, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing. It's your choice. It was more so I would... I was so overwhelmed with how they would have to clean their bottles and keeping control. And, of and the all cost of formula is insane. Crazy, crazy. Um, so let's talk a little bit about formula. And we should say from the outset, this is not trying to shame any mums or partners that are using formula because we do know that some mothers need to use formula for certain reasons. But we're more highlighting the differences here between formula and breast milk. So going into formula, the main thing, the big thing is that there are no anti-infective properties present. Um, in formula. Also, the nutrients are not as easily absorbed compared to breast milk, so it takes longer for babies to digest. 
And there's also an increased risk of exposure to carcinogens, so cancer-causing agents, in some formulas, not all. I know Australia has very strict um, protocols, but yeah. this is still a risk. Um, and also um, the, the, the smell of baby's poo. Um, yeah, it so... It does smell a lot more foul. Yeah, um, so breastfed baby's poo generally isn't supposed to, yeah, give off a really foul stench as opposed mm-hmm. to, yeah. Now, two things that you should definitely never do um, with formula is, number one, never attempt to make your own formula. So, again, formulas in Australia are very specific with with what they have inside them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you should never attempt to make it yourself. Um, And secondly, babies should not be fed cow's milk. um, No, or um, soy milk as well. Or soy, correct, yeah. Yeah, so we've heard of – I've heard stories of parents trying to replace cow's milk with soy milk, but – yeah they're they're not solutions and uh it's also important to note that it's really best to not combine both so sometimes formula is needed for supplementation which is something that we'll get into a bit later on but it's generally recommended by people like the world health organization that breastfeeding be established first and then after six months you may choose to formula feed as well as giving baby soft foods and doing whatever it needs that and and whatever baby needs and whatever you think baby needs best Mm. Yeah. So let's go in, into, I guess, the important anatomy and physiology of breastfeeding. Uh, Evan, do you want to take this one away? Sure. So obviously the breast is a paired structure on the anterior portion of the chest. So on the front of the chest and there's two breasts. And at the center of each breast, you have an areola. And at the center of the areola, you have a nipple. Um, and the nipple is the outlet for milk. So that's where the milk comes out of. And the breasts have a highly glandular structure. So that's really all we really need to talk about when it comes to the anatomy of the breasts. But now we can go into a little bit of the physiology of milk production. And really there's three stages here. Um, And these are lactogenesis one, two, and three. Um, And we'll just go through a little bit about what happens at each of the stages. So first of all, you have um, the cells, so the epithelial cells. They really change into these cells called lactocytes. And around week week 16 of pregnancy, they start to secrete something called colostrum. And we'll go into what colostrum is. Mm -hmm. Um, During this period as well, we have something um, that occurs that's called ductal growth. So these these ducts that are in the breast start to really grow and proliferate and make their way towards um, the nipple. And this is, again, to help with milk letdown. Also in the first stage, um, we have alveolar development, so the actual supporting tissues that support the breast, and these are really aided by a number of hormones. And some of these hormones are things like prolactin, progesterone, and lactogen. So now we go into stage two, um, and this is really the stage that happens after birth. So this is two to three days after birth, and this is when you have the onset of a lot of milk secretion that's occurring. And the reason this happens is because as progesterone starts to withdraw or go down, you then have high levels of prolactin. And the high levels of prolactin is really what stimulates milk letdown. Um, Another thing to really remember about milk letdown is that it's a a positive feedback loop. So it's one of the few positive feedback loops in the body. Um, And this means that when there's mechanical stretch on the nipple, so when baby's sucking on the nipple, there's an increase in milk letdown and this is a continuous process. And that's why we say things like... um sometimes and i'll go into this again later but we generally recommend that babies don't use things like dummies because sometimes it can like you really want baby to be sucking at that yeah because you really want baby to get that feedback so when baby's suckling then baby's getting milk yeah Um, and then we go into stage three which is the final stage and this is really the maintenance um, stage and we need prolactin for this to occur and this is what uses milk uh, this is what causes milk synthesis And then we've got oxytocin. So oxytocin is really what causes milk to be let out of the nipple. And it also has other effects like analgesic effects and things like that as well. Yeah. So remember oxytocin is that love hormone and um, oxytocin is generally released with things like nipple stimulation and what, yeah. So it's, isn't it, um, 
one of the ways to naturally start labor is to uh, with nipple simulation it is yeah just to start that mm-hmm. uh, process yeah so let's talk a little bit about what breast milk what breast milk is really made out of i guess so first to talk about our initial milk which is our colostrum so this is our before milk essentially before our proper breast milk comes in and it's what you'll see in the first couple of days sometimes women do see it antenatally but generally within the first couple of days it's rich in lactose lipids as well as immunoglobulin i can I, globulin <laughs> globulin uh, it also stimulates the passage of meconium. So again, meconium is that first poo that baby does. Sometimes they do it in utero when they're stressed. We've, we've, we have covered this before. Um, and it, we really do need to encourage baby to keep feeding during this time. The more baby is attached to you and to your breast, the more it encourages your milk to come in, as we were speaking about before. So colostrum, in comparison to mature mature breast milk, what we see is that Fat content actually increases during the feed and immunoglobulins protect against things like allergies and infections as well. So you see see that start to come through within actual breast milk. And this is really important as it aids in the development of a baby's immune system. Again, a positive of breast milk in comparison to that of formula. Mm-hmm. So babies should really be breastfed in the first hour of delivery. So pretty much as soon as uh, we deliver baby, assuming that everything is normal, that I'm Majority of the things that we're going to be talking about, we're assuming that everything has progressed as normal. Um, what we do is we place baby straight on mum for, for skin to skin contact. And within that first hour, we do try to initiate that first bre- uh, breastfeed. In regards to frequency and duration of feeds, it does get a little bit complicated in regards to there's no real set time frame. But what we do want is baby to be feeding approximately eight to 12 times in a day and approximately two to four hourly. Now this may change. Sometimes baby babies do things like cluster feed and then don't feed for a period of three, four more hours. Uh, it's also important to note that babies do need to be fed overnight if hungry. Remember that babies have just spent nine months in a really dark space and usually because of this, they are more active at nighttime, which is really frustrating for mum. Um, but in order to get baby, so I guess the one thing that you could do is to get baby to adjust to daylight during the daytime, it's best to have baby in a room with plenty of sunlight. So we do encourage like opening blinds and sitting in a lounge room, uh, having people like talk. Um, so if people are coming to visit, instead of leaving baby in a room, we generally encourage that mum brings baby out, holds mm-hmm. baby and they maintain conversation while baby is still there. Um, it's also important to note that because of this, and this is something that I'm sure everybody has heard of, we always tell mum to try and sleep when baby is sleeping. And remember, it's not a bad thing to ask for help in regards to housework. Sometimes this initial time period is a bit um, is a bit overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always it's 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 okay to ask for help and yeah. to seek help if you are struggling. Mm-hmm. So I guess a normal baby and a healthy baby will let you know when it's time to feed because they'll be hungry and they'll want the milk, they'll want the food, and and they'll let you know. But really, babies have a number of different feeding cues and eventually you'll adapt to them, I suppose. But some of the things that um, you can you can kind of um, notice in in the outset is that, you know, when you're around, they'll wake up and they'll start looking around. Um, They'll make sucking movements with their lips and their hands. And again, it's best when breastfeeding to establish this. And that's really so that you don't give baby things like dummies so that they're suckling and not getting that milk 
let down because then it's harder to tell when baby is yeah. is hungry. Yeah, but with baby suckling on a dummy, like you can't really exactly tell if it's for comfort because suckling's a reflex and mm. it is comforting for baby. So I know that when we do things like our postnatal checks, we put a gloved um, pinky finger in baby's mouth to calm them down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the very last resort is when baby starts crying. And during this time, it's a lot harder to get baby to attach to the breast. Yeah. Uh, we also like to allow baby to terminate their own feeds. And a single feed takes approximately 30 to 40 minutes. And when I say approximately, I need to emphasize approximately because we don't want you to watch the clock. You should be able to tell when your baby is feeding well. So if baby's not attached properly, they'll make things like clicking sounds or sounds that may indicate that baby's not really well attached. Think of it like a suction cup. Mm-hmm. If It should be hard to get baby off, off the breast, the breast yeah. if they're well attached. So there's a little trick that we do, which I'm sure like people have heard of, but um, we put our pinky at the side of baby's mouth in between the top and the bottom lip just to release that suction so we can get baby off whether that's to readjust baby or it's like okay that's enough (laughs) um if your baby has done lots of rhythmical sucking and falls asleep or comes off things like changing the nappy may help wake baby up again and then offer the breast to baby again if you feel that your breast hasn't drained well which is you'll adapt to this feeling and apparently, again, I, I'm not sure because I've never experienced it myself, but when your breast is full, you feel it. When you need to release milk, you feel it. When it's there, you feel it. Um, so if you feel that your breast hasn't drained well, you can pop baby back on the same side or you can switch to the other breast. Or just express. Or express, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah. So for a woman to fully establish her milk supply, it may take up to 10 days. But when the milk supply is fully established, it can be up to 700 mils a day or greater. So how do we know when baby is getting enough milk? So the first thing is that we look for five pale and heavy wet nappies a day. Now this changes um, from birth. So generally what we like to say is the nappy should increase in wet nappies to one extra per day for every day of life. Mm -hmm. So for example, on the first day of life, you want one wet nappy. On the second day, you want two. On the third day, you want three. And this is going up to about five wet nappies. Um, The second one is the color of the poo. So you want really soft poo and this really mustard colored poo. And you want Uh, several of those. Obviously after the mech. Yes, after after the the first one is gone, yes. To be like a black tar again, Mm -hmm. yeah. And and during the period of breastfeeding, if you're using natural breast milk, the poo shouldn't really smell. Really, the poo will start to smell either when the baby's on formula feeds, if you're supplementing with formula, um, or when you start to introduce soft foods. It's also completely normal for baby to lose some weight in the first few days, but there's a chart that we can use that's like a normal standardized chart. And then we can plot baby's weight against this chart, against the rest of the population at that age for their sex. And then we can tell um, if the weight loss is too extreme or if the weight loss is normal. If the weight loss is too much, we can do things like fortified formula feeds as well to top top up the breast milk. Yeah, so that's one of the cases where we do encourage the use of, and that's only until baby's gained enough weight to be at that um yeah. level yeah. yeah so why do some women experience a difficulty in breastfeeding so i guess the difficulty comes with both mum and baby definitely so yeah so it's it's not just a one or the other it's generally both so at baby we're looking at things like an insufficient suck so normally it's anatomical which i'll go into like we'll go into a little bit later on but as mentioned before this may be influenced by things like the use of a pacifier or a dummy uh jaundice small babies unwell babies generally can't feed as well 
uh, as well as things like tongue tie. You need to say this. Yeah. Word. So this is something <laughs> called ankyloglossia. Ankyloglossia, and this is when um, the frenulum, so that little kind of um, piece of skin that connects your tongue to the bottom of your palate, is abnormally thick or short. Um, One interesting thing that I learned as well was premature babies really struggle to feed, and that's because before a certain point they haven't developed the suckling reflex yet. Yeah. So I never did my placement in um, in NICU, but from what I believe, obviously women are encouraged to express during this time while baby is in NICU, but then they feed baby either through... Nasogastric, I think. Usually, yeah, nasogastric, yeah. Nas- nasogastric or um, bottle if they have developed that sucking reflex, but that's only if. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With mum, we're looking at things like insufficient breast tissue. We're looking at nipple trauma, mastitis or breast abscess. And then we... What's that? Yeah, so we can usually treat mastitis with just a simple course of flucoxacillin. Thank you. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> Uh, we see things like nipple thrush as well as uh, things like vasospasm. Yeah, so if, if the mum does have something um, called Raynaud's, which is extremely rare, um, that can lead to vasospasm of the breast. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how to know if, I guess, babies are attaching well to mum. So there are a few things that we can look for. So there's, is the baby's nose clear of the breast? Mm-hmm. And so, this is because, yeah, so babies are obligate. Um, nasal breathers so they they breathe through their nose not through their mouth Um, and so we want to make sure that they can actually breathe when breastfeeding because this will be a surefire way to terminate the feed yeah you want to know if there's enough breast tissue in the mouth so I guess one of the biggest misconceptions is that um, babies because milk is coming out of the nipple some people believe that it's only the nipple that needs to be attached to baby but in reality baby really does need that big open wide mouth and have majority of even the alveola in their mouth a lot of the sucking comes from the roof of their Mm. mouth rather than their lips yes i guess yeah Yeah, which is why we really want that that's really to make sure there's a good seal yeah Mm -hmm. so there's a really good saying that we use and it's chest to chest and chin to breast so is the baby's chin against mum's breast and generally chest to chest just means uh, it's really just a comfortable position for mum and baby to be in. But really, we're going to talk about tips for attachment and um, different positions that you can use uh, in probably as, in probably a later episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you want to see if baby's lips are flanging out. Mm-hmm. So how do I explain this? So you don't want, I guess... You don't want pursed lips. Pursed lips, you yes, want, thank Yeah, you. flanging of the lips, so the lips coming like almost like a kissing yeah. Yep. Uh, is mum feeling any breast or nipple pain? So in reality, what we want, we don't expect mums to be experiencing any pain during their breastfeeding. Mm. It can be a little bit uncomfortable, I've heard, yeah, but not overt pain. No, not overt pain. It, it, pain generally means that baby's uh, baby hasn't formed enough of an attachment in terms of hasn't got enough breast tissue in their mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, baby's neck should be extended slightly and it's important to understand that if baby isn't attached well it is best to remove baby and try and attach again because things like improper attachment may lead to baby not being fed enough or lead to painful and tender nipples remember breastfeeding shouldn't be painful Mm -hmm. yeah so let's talk about some tips for attachment and Again, I really encourage you guys to outsource some things like the Australian Breastfeeding Association because they have some really cool visual aids Mm -hmm. in order to help with the different positionings. Mm -hmm. Or, of course, outsource a medical professional that will be able to show you with Yeah, so so a lactation consultant. Yeah. Yeah. So the first is baby-led attachment. So I love this technique. Like seeing it is actually 
it's it's one of the most beautiful things like you will see and I, I don't know how to explain it but it's just so natural and you really see baby's instincts start to kick in so this form of, of attachment describes baby seeking out and attaching to mum's breasts and again completely instinctual and it's while baby is rested so what we do is we get mum to rest I guess so mum's leaning back and mum and baby are encouraged again to be skin to skin because that's when baby is most comfortable uh so baby will rest along mum on a so I guess baby's head will be near mum's heart and mm-hmm. then baby will just lie along uh, along mum's body. So in a straight, with their, ba- with their back straight. Baby's hands are generally near their face. And the reason why we say that is because baby will start to do things like bob up and down and look for mum's breast. And mm-hmm. it's, it's so cool. So they'll make like little suckling noises and they'll open their mouth a little bit and they'll use their hands to move to mum's breast and sometimes like obviously you need to be ready because sometimes they just plop (laughs) but they generally use their hands to guide their movement and obviously with mum's help but once baby's head is near your breast you basically move your arm around support baby's head but all that attachment and that moving to breast is baby doing all the work and Mm -hmm. you're just there really supporting and slightly guiding baby but it's beautiful so next, um, you can also help baby to attach by changing the shape of the breast. And that's really so that the nipple is a little bit more accessible. So it's important to sit upright and to hold baby by the back of the neck across their shoulders and to really help to move their head to find the optimal position for attachment. And generally, this is with baby's head in slight extension. So baby's, um, the back of baby's head going to touch the back of baby's back. So slight extension. Yeah. Because you yeah. want to really open up the food pipe to allow the milk to move easily and seamlessly, but also to make sure that there's a really good air seal because you want baby to be breathing effortlessly. effortlessly. Um, So you can push down on the top of the breast with the thumb. And so essentially that means that the nipple will be pointing upwards. Yeah. Um, another thing that you can do as well is to rub the, rub the nipple along the space between baby's nose and the top lip or the bottom lip. And this is really to get that suckling reflex going and to get baby to open up their mouth really wide. Yeah. And then once they've got, once you've gotten a good shape, then you can quickly pop the nipple into the baby's mouth. And by good shape, we mean a good shape of baby's yeah, mouth being yeah, yeah. wide open and ready to be like, okay, you can put it in now. <laughs> yes. Um, and then you can take the hand off the bre- uh, off your breast and then wrap your hands around baby. And this is really making sure that baby is comfortable, but you're comfortable as well. Because like we said, this could be 30 to 40 minutes. So you definitely want to be comfortable. 30 to 40 minutes, eight to 12 times a day. Yeah. That's Mate. a lot of minutes. Like you need to be comfortable. Yeah. Get a good chair. That's what I, that's exactly what I was going to be that blah, that's exactly what I was going to say. A lot of people go and outsource a chair during the antenatal period if they know they're like, yeah, I really want to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, to pop a good recliner or something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> make sure it's electric as well. Um, and as well to know that the baby's attached well to the breast, the majority of the areola, so that's that dark tissue surrounding the nipple should be in baby's mouth. Yeah. Yeah, that's really really important. So some women do struggle with the process. Uh, some women do fall into it quite comfortably. It's okay to be at either end of the spectrum. So we do have community support available for breastfeeding women who are struggling in particular or just need that little bit of extra help where it's like, I'm just not sure about this one thing or my baby's doing one thing and I've read that this isn't. You can outsource extra support and there's plenty of that out there. So I know that as midwives, we do things like home visits 
Uh, so we generally do that a week after mum and baby are discharged and they're always a lot of fun and we do stay with you for about, I think it's an hour, an hour mm-hmm. and a half. Yeah. Um, there are also private lactation consultants and generally within the postnatal ward, if we do see a mum struggling or she requests some help from a lactation consultant, we do like, I know uh, at the ho- one of the hospitals that I was um, on placement at, we did little group meetings. Mm-hmm. So we'd go into like a little foyer area on the ward and mums would come with their babies and they'd all breastfeed together to give each other hints and trips, uh, hints and tricks. Uh, but there are also lactation consultants generally available in the hospital on call. So if there is something that's you need to ask and mm-hmm. you're really concerned about or something's just not feeling right, you can outsource their help. Absolutely. Well. It's not, it's, it's okay to not be okay. And I you think you are, should definitely ask for help. This process, whilst it is natural, you can also face significant difficulties with this and that is okay. And that's one of the biggest things is because mums think that they're supposed to be doing it and many people have done it for such a long period of time that it should just come naturally. And sometimes it just doesn't Mm -hmm. and that's okay. So ending the case, after speaking with her partner, Julia decides to reach out to the hospital where she gave birth and is provided with a lactation consultant who she visits at the hospital. After going through some strategies to improve her technique and a debriefing session, she now realizes that struggling with breastfeeding is common and is not because of her. Amen. After using the skills provided by her lactation consultant, Julia believes that her breastfeeding has improved immensely and feels much more comfortable troubleshooting at home. Beautiful. When we say troubleshooting, it sounds like a piece of technology or something like that. Robot baby. I baby. <laughs> So as always, you can find us um, on all social media at Podstetrics or at Linktree. So that's linktree.com forward slash Podstetrics. Um, we're also on all um, sharing services for uh, podcasts. Sharing services. That's so, the, you haven't used that one before. Um, streaming services for <laughs> yeah. podcasts. So that's Spotify, <laughs> Apple Podcasts and CastBox. And as well, if you could, um, please review and like um, and share us, especially on Apple Podcasts, because that really helps with the algorithm for people to find yeah. us. So as always, I'm Kayla. And I'm Evan. Stay safe, guys. And take care of yourselves. Bye.